PDF documents have become ubiquitous in the computing world. They're the preferred format for printers to have photo-ready material, but they're also used to display a document in the exact same way on any machine. In this episode, we'll explain the PDF document format. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. This week we're talking about PDF. It stands for Portable Document Format, and it is just everywhere. We're all used to downloading PDF forms to fill in something for the government or fill in something for our dentist, but we're also used to actually exporting our documents as PDFs to send them to our business partners, our friends, and make sure that they look photo ready. Exact same way that we saw them, we want everyone else to see them. What's special about PDF documents? PDF is kind of a super format. It contains many different options for embedding content. You can have vector graphics in a PDF document. Those are graphics that scale with different sizes without losing any of their detail. And then you can also have bitmap graphics in a PDF document. Those are graphics that are based on describing pixels, like photographs. And we've talked about the difference between vector and bitmap in a prior episode that I'm gonna link to in the show notes. But what's cool about PDF is they can have both. They can also have very detailed typesetting so that documents look exactly as we expect them to look with beautiful typography that could be a book. In fact, a lot of printers, when they're creating books, export first to PDF to show authors the proofs. And those PDF documents actually get used on the commercial level printers that produce the final output. So PDF documents can contain all kinds of different information, text, vector graphics, bitmap graphics. They can even contain interactive elements, things like forms and even scripts. And PDF documents have support for all kinds of different encryption and all kinds of different compression. So it's kind of the super format. You can just put kind of anything that you can dream that could be on a page or on a digital display into a PDF document. And a, a PDF can be used across platforms or created across platforms or operating systems. Yes, that's right. That's one of the beautiful things about PDF. Because it's described in a manner that actually comes down to being almost procedural, um, it can be recreated in exactly the same way on any viewer. And no formatting errors should be there as long as the viewer implements the specification. Now, if you're old enough to remember working in Microsoft Word in the 1990s or early 00s, you'd write something in one version of Word, and then maybe you'd send it to a friend who used a different version of Word or used Word on the Mac instead of Word on the PC, and the formatting would be almost the same, but there'd be these little inaccuracies. PDF was meant to eliminate that by being the standard that by being procedurally generated and implemented exactly the same way would always cause documents to be perfectly the same. And also by specifying the typography and the vector graphics using what basically boils down to math, but basically procedural generation instead of leaving vagaries about how they're supposed to look. So PDF has incredible detail about how everything is supposed to be formatted and displayed. What do you mean by procedural gen generation? Yeah, again, we talked about the difference between vector graphics and bitmap graphics on a prior episode. But imagine the difference between saying, I want there to be a rectangle in the center of the page and saying exactly how big that rectangle should be relative to the size of the page. 
and taking a photo of a rectangle and then either stretching it out when the when the uh, page gets bigger or shrinking it when the page gets smaller, but you're shrinking the contents of that photograph instead of just a formula that describes the rectangle. The formula that describes the rectangle can make the rectangle perfect in detail no matter how the sizing of the page changes because we're just recalculating it on the fly instead of having to figure out what it's supposed to look like from some pixels that somebody originally generated. So vector graphics, we say, are procedurally generated because they're based on mathematical formula. And again, we did a whole episode on this, so I don't want to get into too much more detail, but I'll link to our previous episode in the show notes. When did PDFs first come into use? PDF was created in 1993 by Adobe, and it was originally a proprietary standard, meaning that Adobe completely controlled the PDF format. It was based on an earlier format called PostScript that was also a procedural generation of text and vector graphics format that Adobe had come out with in the prior decade. And PostScript was actually relatively popular. PostScript was used for printer specifications, for example. Some of the first laser printers use PostScript as their document description language. And it's still used to this day for for printers, PostScript, and in some other areas as well. Now, the thing about PostScript is PostScript was a whole programming language. So you were actually specifying what a document looked like using a programming language, including control structures like if statements and loops. And what PDF did is they stripped out some of that those programming language features. They took out like the control structures. And that meant that it was simply just a way of specifying documents, but not programming the generation of documents. So PDF is, you would think then simpler, but they also added a whole bunch of other things to PDF. Some of the things we talked about earlier, everything from encryption to different kinds of compression that PostScript didn't have. And so PDF you could think about as an evolution of PostScript. So it was originally a proprietary format from Adobe, and it was proprietary all the way from 1993 until 2008. Then Adobe submitted it to a standards organization, the International Standards Organization, and it became an international standard that is no longer controlled by Adobe. Adobe still is on the committee that decides on new versions of the standard, but they don't control it. And so now anyone can implement PDF without Adobe's permission. Adobe also had some patents that govern PDF, but they actually have put those patents into a universal royalty-free license. So anyone can go and implement the PDF standard without having to pay Adobe anything today. That's pretty cool of Adobe to do that. Right. But they had some incentive, right? Because there were competing other formats. There was their earlier PostScript format, which they actually displaced. And then there were other formats from companies like Microsoft. And they wanted their format, of course, to be the big format that everybody uses. And so making it a standard leads to further adoption, right? By making it an open standard, other companies then implement the standard instead of creating their own standard. And that's actually good for Adobe because that means that if more people are using the standard, more people might want Adobe software. What's important for a software developer to know about PDFs? PDF is a very complex format. And I don't think it makes sense as a software developer to go and implement it from scratch ever, but there's some really well-tested, popular libraries for generating PDF. And an interesting thing as well is that certain operating systems actually have PDF support built in. In fact, Mac OS X, which has evolved into the modern Mac OS, 
its whole imaging model is completely built off of PDF. The operating system that it came from called NextStep was actually based on PostScript. So when Apple bought Next and then created Mac OS X out of NextStep, they upgraded from PostScript to PDF. And what that means is that even on the early versions of Mac OS X, going all the way back to the year 2000, you could go and print any document to PDF. That's now a common feature on Windows and Linux too, but originally it was actually like a really important feature on the Mac because a lot of people were using Macs for print shops and for graphic design and um, desktop publishing. And so that was seen as kind of like a killer feature in the early versions of Mac OS X. So an interesting thing, the whole operating system is kind of built on the PDF imaging model, graphics model. And as a software developer, you can plug into that and export to PDF from basically any view that you're developing for your application. If you're working on another operating system and that support's not built in, like I said, there's very popular and well-supported libraries for it. And PDF makes sense as a format to export to because it's so ubiquitous. Web browsers have built-in support for PDF display. Every modern operating system has a PDF viewer that basically comes with it. So it makes a lot of sense. If you need something that's gonna be distributed and doesn't need to be edited, because PDF is mainly a display format for most users. Most users don't have PDF editors. Most users just have PDF viewers. But if you have something that needs to be displayed and look exactly the same on every single machine that your users might share it to, PDF is the format that makes the most sense. You've mentioned that with PDFs, they can be shared with anybody. But what if the person it's being shared with doesn't have those same fonts that you have? Yeah, they've even thought of that as well. So PDF has a set of 14 standard fonts that every PDF viewer must implement an equivalent of. But there's also a method in PDF to embed fonts. So you can actually have a font file inside of a PDF document. It's incredible all the different things that can be in a PDF document. Everything from JavaScript to all kinds of different raster image formats to all kinds of vector graphics and advanced typography. And yes, even font files. So as a user, you know, if I'm creating a project, right, I finish my project, PDF is really the way that I'm going to share that when it's completed. It's not necessarily the document or the um, software I'm going to use or the format, I should say, that I'm going to use to to edit and work on my drafts of it. Right. It is possible to do that. There are, of course, PDF editors, but that's not common. There's ways also of adding comments in the PDF documents. When I worked as an author um, with publishers, they would send me marked up proofs of my book with PDF comments. And those are actually, those annotations can actually be proprietary to different PDF viewers or editors. But anyway, in general, you're absolutely right. Generally, what we do is we use PDF when we're done with the document. The document's ready. We export to PDF, and then we send that version to everybody else so that they see it exactly the way we saw it with the exact formatting that we saw, which, as we talked about earlier, other formats don't always ensure. And then the other thing we use PDF for, and we alluded to this earlier as a user, is that you're going to go and take something that's going to a printer and put it into PDF format. Printers are going to oftentimes expect the final version, the version that's ready to go and be put on the paper in PDF format. So as a user, you use PDF documents for sharing and for printing. So how has the PDF format evolved since it's been created and since Adobe really shared it with the world? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, when PDF first came out in 1993, the internet was just coming into prominence. And one thing they added pretty early on, I think it was version 3.0, they added the ability to have hyperlinks. So that really let PDF documents be used a lot more widely on the web because then you could go back to websites that PDFs had come from or to other websites and that allowed them to be better embedded uh, in the web ecosystem. Another thing is that PDF, because it was originally a proprietary format, also had a lot of proprietary extensions that came from Adobe originally. When PDF was standardized, they began to take out those proprietary extensions. And now, just a couple years ago, we had the 2.0 version of the open PDF specification, and they've taken out all of those proprietary components at this point. So I'd say the two things were becoming more internet aware. That's one thing that happened over time. And the other thing is becoming much more open. And we talked quite a bit about that earlier in the episode. So PDF has become a universal standard because it's evolved with the time. It's definitely not something that's frozen and dilapidated. It's something that is very modern and that continues to change. Thanks for listening to us this week. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? We're at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. Please reach out to us and let us know some topic ideas. We've had some great topics we've done in the past that listeners have written in to us about. And please also don't forget to leave us a review on your podcast player of choice, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really do help get the word out about the show. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Bye.